Welcome to the Thriving in the Word podcast. We are so happy to have you listening today, and it's a great conversation that we have as we dig deep in the Word. If you're enjoying the Thriving in the Word podcast, we'd invite you to like it on whichever podcast service you use, leave a comment, a rating, review, even share it on social media. Let your friends and family know about what we're doing here. We hope that you enjoy this edition of Thriving in the Word. Okay, so we're going to jump in uh, to Zephaniah. I've been reading it uh, for a while here, and we have Johnny with us, Lenny, Ben, Dave Lamana, myself, Judah, and uh, let's let's discuss anything that's stood out. I think this is week three, right? I Zephaniah? think it is week three. Yeah. So um, I don't know a lot a lot in this little uh, little book. Actually, more than I think I was expecting. So, so let's jump in. Yeah. So to open us up uh, in Zephaniah, one of the things I was doing as I was going over this, um, I know we talked about the meaning of the um, name Zephaniah, but uh, in some of my research, and I'm not sure if we discussed this, but he was the last of the pre-exilic, meaning pre-exile. Period. I had mentioned that. Did last you? Week. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. And that that exile lasted seventy years. So Judah, the kingdom of Judah, was in captivity for seventy years in Babylon. And the next minor prophet, if we get to him, I'm not sure if we're going to get there next week, but is uh, Haggai. How do you say it? Haggai? Haggai. 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 Excuse me. Okay. Haggai. Haggai. So there's two G's tripped me up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he. So he's the one right after, which I think is going to be an important, you know, thing as we cross over there, because we're talking about a long period of time. You know the Israelites, or you know, you know, at least the kingdom of Judah, being you know being warned by God, as you see here, about mm-hmm. the great day of the Lord, right, is coming. Obviously, he allows you know the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, to do in the, this conquering and put them into exile, and then we're going to lead into that, obviously, next. But um, yeah. and I'm not sure if we mentioned this either, but Zephaniah was a contemporary of Jeremiah. But some people call Zephaniah the prophet of the 11th hour because he was the last voice that the people heard mm. under that king during the time of reform. People mm. think that he was the principal component that influenced the king with the reform. Is that, you know, he was really speaking very loud, like very loud to the people, you know, mm. so. Sure. Well, you know, I'd like to comment on that. I, I, we did mention it, but I'm mm. glad that you brought it up again, Johnny, cause I, because I was thinking about it further this exile, pre-exile, and post-exilic, post-exile. So as Johnny just reiterated, the book of Zephaniah, Zephaniah is prophesying prior to the exile, meaning the destruction of Jerusalem by the Babylonians. And we read, we've read, is this our, our ninth minor prophet? Mm, I don't know. I lost, yeah, count. That, I lost count. I lost count. I, I, I did yeah, too. I, I'm not sure. Eight or nine. Let, let, I it's think the ninth. Zephaniah is the ninth. So we've talked about or examined nine minor prophets. And, and again, for folks, uh, minor prophets just means that they wrote less than the major prophets. It has nothing to do with their significance because as we have found out, the significance is great. That's a little digression. But in talking about these nine pre-exilic prophets, they, we could get misled sometimes, or at least I thought that. I thought, and I'm interested in hearing what you you folks might think, they prophesy mostly the destruction of Jerusalem, or or in exile, and then the exile, they're prophesying that, and it it ultimately happens, but is that all they're prophesying is, because so, okay, so then you get the 
destruction of Jerusalem, and then now we start to talk about the, the post-exilic, the post-exile prophets, and we'll talk about three minor ones to begin with. But I think that we need to focus, it, like they do, they meaning the prophets, uh, uh, not only on a specific nation like Judah or the other nations that some of the prophets widen their prophecies out to, but more the, 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 the specific evils, the threats, the kinds of evil. If, if we read these again, we certainly are studying Zephaniah in detail, but if we go back, uh, these prophets detailed the, the evils, the, you know, all the sins that they committed. And, and why is that important? Because if we just focus on Judah or the countries at the time that seemed to be the larger picture, instead of actually they're the minor picture because the larger picture is the sins of the world. Mm, and those sure. sins pertain to today. Judah might not pertain to today. Mm. All those other countries might not. But what these prophets were talking about is that every country, everybody and every time commits sins, the same kind of sins. And these prophets, Zephaniah specifically today that we're talking about, will root out evil from all creation. Mm. Not just from these countries, but then and now. Mm. That's what I got out of this. Yeah. Yeah. And just to bounce off of that, so you're saying that like this this ancient writing is relevant to today. Yes. And there are sins. In Zephaniah 1, verses 4 through 6, uh -huh. this is God's indictment of, of the kingdom of Judah. Literally, he says, I will stretch out my hand against Judah, Zephaniah 1, 4. Now, now to bounce off what you're saying, this is crucial. I'm going to go down to 6 right now. And yet swear by Milcom, those who have turned back from following the Lord. So I was like, Milcom? Who is this guy Milcom? So I did some research. Milcom is another word for Moloch. Right. Moloch, Moloch is a Canaanite god represented as an owl, a giant owl that brings wisdom to mankind, right? Or as a bull, as like a, like a horned god. And this horned god would have... Uh, they'd make a giant statue out of clay or iron, and they would basically make an oven, like a, like a brick oven, in its belly, and it would hold its hands out, and the hands would be made of metal. And what this god required, Moloch, or Milcom in this case, these, these people who would serve Baal, which is a common word for the lord of, meaning Milcom or Moloch, they would take children and they'd place it on these, on these brazen burning hands, and that quote-unquote lowercase g god required the screams and cries of children to be appeased and then would come down in the form of an owl to give cosmic wisdom to mankind and knowledge to mankind. So ch literal child sacrifice. So when we talk about what's going on today, I don't care if you want to call it Planned Parenthood or you have a problem with the abortion laws that just got passed in Texas right. or, or whatever the case may be, t in today's culture, there is absolutely the murder of children, right. whether it's in mm -hmm. utero Right. Whether it's post-birth abortion, it doesn't matter. It's happening right now. And we will absolutely be judged by God Almighty, the creator of heaven and it's earth. It's like we're studying, it right, we're studying it right now, but we're also living it. Yeah, Are you kidding uh, me? Why? Because there's, they're not doing it publicly and you can smell the children yeah. and hear the right. screams. Well, it's just similar. It's, I mean, yeah, the analogy is there. It's, on a topical note, I'm, I'm sorry, Joe, on a topical yeah. note, because you brought yeah. that up uh, about Texas, uh, you probably, some of you have heard or read that uh, Mississippi law is being challenged because they have uh, the, I think it's the 12-week law, and it is going to be heard by the Supreme Court in early December, which is the landmark case Roe v. Wade, mm. Roe v. Wade. That may be overturned, Yeah. and this is going to create a... Which, which if you know your history of law, Roe v. Wade, the, the, the woman herself decided that she actually 
was was not going to go through with it. Mm. And the lawyers are the ones who pressed on the case for her for all right. the clout that they would get. So right. the actual person literally became like a Christian. Well, she, my, she, but, she was a puppet. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah she was. So. But, so, but, but more so. than that, and I do know my law, and I don't know a little bit about little bit about the law because I like studying cases. That case has no constitutional. Uh, root no constitutional what, what, background. What, for, it, for background for people, what was the case? Roe v. Wade is you know is is the one that it's that uh, made abortion a a um, a commercial right, so to speak. In mm -hmm. other words, a I call it a commercial right, but a a a personal right of of uh, pro-choice women to be able to have well, an and abortion. And the more people know the significance of the case, it's, but what yeah. exactly oh, oh. was the case? That was the case. Abortion. Too. Abortion. Okay. It was the, the case. When people say Roe v. Wade, Ben, they yeah. are talking about abortion. The right to have an abortion, a woman's right to have an abortion. That's okay. what that guarantees. And it was the first time and, in, in U.S. law history that yeah. they didn't consult scripture or clergy or, or anything like that. They just oh, okay. basically yeah. did a secular law decision. Yeah. And, just, and, just, and that's decided. why spiritually it's like it's so it's so profound. It legalized abortion if I can capsulize it in two and words. And, I, 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 and I'm saying that most people yeah. understand that, but the actual case, like yeah. who versus who Roe versus Wade, we know that, but what was their charges? What was the like the thing, like the actual thing that they Somebody were... uses, Judah said a um, almost a puppet, uh, a person yeah. to be the the one that said, yeah, you know, I want to, I, I want my rights. It's my my body, my choice. My choice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. and, and, you know that that's the saying today. Back then, it was something mm -hmm. else, but it meant that. Yeah. And so they just put that person up and against uh, somebody who, you know, and I don't know what you know what so the, the name this, it was. This lady was suing for her right to be able for to her right to be have, able to, to say this is my body, it's my choice to have though. an abortion. Yeah, yeah. And but that that, that was a okay, landmark okay. case, but it's not based on constitutional law. And if yeah, you yeah. read into it, and I and I also want to address just while this came up, this is divisive in our country. Yeah, it's divisive Very. spiritually, even even amongst Christians. Oh yeah, amongst believers, yeah. people fall on either side of it. Yes, and that goes to show you like where people are at. So to, to clarify, but there, there's been a lot of myths about what's going on with Texas <clears throat> written into. It's called the heartbeat law. So I just want to clarify what those myths are. This is a myth that a rapist could sue his victim for ten thousand dollars if she gets an abortion after he rapes her, right? Which is not the case at all. There is a ten thousand dollar quote unquote reward if you report like medical professionals Correct. who are not abiding by the law yeah. because they want those people to lose their license to practice medicine because you can't violate the law. Yeah. Period. Right? Yeah. This is the truth of that matter, though. A person who impregnates a woman through rape incest or sexual assault cannot take action under this law that's that's actually written into that that mm. law another one is pregnant mothers will be sued if they get an abortion that's the myth the truth of that is women will not be sued for getting an illegal abortion under this new law a person who performs it induces it or aids and embeds in the performance of the inducement is the target not the mother so the mother will not be so like that's an, that's another one and that's that's the problem with with the media, and that's the problem when we talk about these things that are divisive, even in the church, even in the churches, that you see this propaganda going out that, oh, that, that you mean to tell me that, you know, I, I actually heard somebody say this, that, that if a father incest rapes his his daughter and she gets pregnant and she gets an abortion, he can make a $10,000 Well, this check. is the, this is I'm like, the problem. You really, do you really yeah. believe that? Do you think yeah. that it's that for, for people that are listening and, and yeah. for us here, th this is the problem. Laws aren't read in full. That's one example there. If you read, read it through, uh, another prime example is the Georgia election law that just came out. And you saw the fury over that. But that law in Texas's election law were 
all they're asking for is an ID to vote. There's there, there's no suppression of voting. As a matter of fact, they've expanded the Come opportunity. On, having an ID is racist. Yeah, it, well, it is, Judah. And they've expanded <laughs> the, oppor- the they've expanded the opportunity for people to vote. <laughs> but nobody has read that whole law. They what they have done is they've taken things out of context, as Johnny right. just said right. on, on that law. Okay, here's what it is, and they get people uh-huh. all fired mm-hmm. up. The, the media gets them all fired. Oh my God, this is what they're going to do. You mean you mean a father who raped his child, you know, incest? He can he can sue for ten. No, let's read the whole law. Folks, this is the way about, it is. How about we start at the beginning? All law is inspired by God's law from the ancient mm. world, from Moses and the Ten Commandments. Literally, how about how about that's where all of the laws, at least in our country and in your state, the statutes, it all derives from that, yeah. right? And laws are are under the ethical idea that there's morality. Like you don't go out and murder somebody because it's immoral. You don't steal because it's immoral. You don't sexually assault because it's immoral. So ergo, morality, meaning what? God. God is the source of that law. Mm. It's, 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 it's pretty cut and dry. So when I'm reading the Zephaniah 4 through 6, and I see this indictment, like this court case indictment against the kingdom of Judah, which was supposed to be the better once the kingdom split off, where you had the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, and even that kingdom got corrupt to the point of child sacrifice here. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, not, not to go on a whole long thing, but this is the exact same thing happening right now with us, with Christians. Well, I, you know, I, I've said this before, and I'll say it again, that um, with what people are doing with abortion, I mean, like you said, I mean, yeah, we don't have that that visual and the... Um, you know, all these imagery that they would have had then. They've had but, thousands but, of years but, to perfect it. Well, what I'm saying is is, is we have better technology. Yeah, exactly. You know, the, than they did then. If they had the technology to do what we do now, they would have been doing that instead. And, you know, it's like people say, well, you know, that was that was an idol worship. I mean, it still is idol worship. It's still idol worship because who are you worshiping? You're worshiping yourself, which mm. is really what all of these things are based in. Right. It's based in pride. It's based out of self-worship. It's based in, you know, saying, you know, th- there's something that, that's more important than, more life the, than the life of this child. Yeah. Right. And so, It'll ruin your so life. for thousands of I, years, they've been doing I can't go travel that. the world. I can't go and go to that college I want right. to go to. This is all stuff you can still do. It's, right. sold, it's sold to you at it's a very like, young age that it'll ruin your life if you if you become pregnant as yeah. a teenager or, or or too soon, right. yeah. even in, even in your and 20s. it might. <laughs> I mean, let's be real. It might ruin your life. I mean, but it know, doesn't have to. Well, what I'm saying yeah. is, I mean, there's a lot of people that are getting pregnant that shouldn't get pregnant yeah. because the yeah. immorality of this world. See, the problem is, <laughs> is is when you build laws. I mean, you said that they're all come back to. Scriptural principles. The, the problem is this: is they're building laws <clears throat> that are maybe moral in nature, but devoid of divine influence. And over time, they just warp <clears throat> into whatever people want to do. And then we get these laws, and then kids, you know, at, at in in preschool are being taught about oh, you know Lord, whatever sexuality stuff. And so it's no wonder they're they're you know having sexual relationships at such an early age and getting pregnant and and it can you know definitely throw monkey wrenches into your life. Now, are there other options than abortion? Absolutely, there are. You know, I mean, there's adoption for one and and things like that. But but the reality of it is 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 it's like instead of saying let's teach our kids better, they just say, well, here here's the option. So you can have your fun and then you can do this. There's choices that we make when we're young. 
that seem convenient at the time, but we don't realize how long those decisions will stick with us. It's like it's like this, right? There's there's two things. At the end of the day, this is all spiritual warfare. Mm. It's the age-old story that is the nature of reality that it's good versus evil. Period. God is good. The devil and and you know his fallen angels are evil, and the influence in the unseen realm impacts this world. God has an impact on my life, in your life, in your life, in your life, in the listeners' lives. And anyone who has a relationship with God will know that it's real, right? Yeah. And, and, and here's the thing. God is the source of all life, right? And I've said this before. If you pick a beautiful flower out of the ground and you go put it into your closet and you close the door, what will happen to that flower? It will inevitably die. Mm. It doesn't have sunlight. It doesn't have rain. It doesn't have the soil with the nutrient in it, right? So, so what, what, are, what is that to us? What is that illustration showing? God is the source of all life. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit are those things. The sunlight the rain, and the soil with the nutriment. That's what it's like to have the triune God of the Bible in your life. And the closer you have a relationship to, to the three of uh, persons that make up God, the more alive you will be. When this body dies, you'll have eternity with God. And the further away anyone gets from the source of all life, the closer you are to death, period. Mm. And, and, and who is the God of death? Who is the, it's Satan, you know? He thought he defeated Jesus on the cross, mm-hmm. but he didn't, did he? He was resurrected by God. You can't, you can't beat God. Yeah. You can't, you cannot do it. But, but what you can do is you can get far away from God, the source of all life. And guess what? The further away we are from scripture and our personal relationship and prayer and meditation with God, the closer you are to death, period. And that's what the devil wants. He wants you away from God. He wants to take God out of the legislation of our countries. Yeah. Right? We, we, he, yeah. he, wants to, he wants to take God, not just out of the government, but out of the schools. Out of and, then, and then not just out of that. Out of your family. Yeah. Out of your friendship. Out of your life completely. And he'll do it in a great number of ways. Whether it's something divisive, like abortion. You know, um, or whether it's something like your sports teams. Yeah, yeah. Or whether it's something like, like someone's skin color. Or what their profession is. The us versus them mentality. The division amongst us, it's its we the people. Yeah. yeah we talked about that, too. I, I know I mentioned it and someone else did in the last couple of weeks. It's its a secularization of our society. You're talking about Johnny taking out God out of everything, and that's it. They, they whoever it is, the people that want to control everyone else, want to secularize our country. The ones who worship and, Moloch, that's who it is. The, Yeah, the ones who worship Moloch, exactly. And, and that's just an analogy for what goes on today. You look at chapter 1, and I brought this verse up uh, maybe two weeks ago or three weeks when we started this. Uh, chapter 1, verse 8, on that day of judgment, says the Lord, I, my book says, I will punish the leaders and princes of Judah and all those following pagan customs. Yes, I will punish, going into nine, I will punish those who participate in pagan worship ceremonies and those who fill their master's houses with violence and deceit. And that's what's going on today. We, you know, somebody might just read over this, like I did when I first read Zephaniah many years ago. So oh, let me get through the Bible. I read that. Okay, it didn't have any meaning to me, but it does now. That line there, punishes it. That's indicative of the widespread religious apathy that we have today. And, and if that's not enough, go down to verse twelve. The the uh, I would call it twelve. Well, let's just let me read the whole thing. I will search with lanterns in Jerusalem's darkest corners. And I know I read this last week too, to punish those who sit complacent in their sins. Though, I don't know what your books say, who sit complacent in their sins. They think the Lord will do nothing to them, either good or bad. 
That's apathy, my mm. friends. That is apathy. People just saying, okay, yeah, but he's not going to do anything to us. It's apathy, and it's also pride. And Judah mentioned pride before, and we've mentioned that a thousand times in here, because I think that's the root of everything is pride. It has nothing to do with anything else but pride. But it's, it's apathy. We have become apathetic to beliefs to God in our society today, and people are put, the people on the, the devil side are pushing us further and further into that hole. You know, like it says in Proverbs, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's one of the openers to that, to that um, book. Right, and as, as you go down here, Zephaniah 1, verse 14 through 16, maybe. The great day of the Lord is near and hastening fast. The sound of the day of the Lord is bitter. The mighty man cries aloud there. A day of wrath is that day, a day of distress and anguish, a day of ruin and devastation, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness a day of trumpet blasts and battle cry against the fortified cities, mm. against the lofty battlements. <laughs> so it's just like the arrogance, the pride, those who see themselves as mighty and powerful. It's devastating what is going to happen to them. It's devastating. It's dark. It's gloomy. Mm -hmm. This is like the worst kind of um, judgment from God. The mightiest people we have on earth will be reduced to nothing. They'll be crying out loud, it says. That's like so profound, right? So I see a lot of hope in this book, but a lot of people see this like this kind of a message, this dark and gloomy, you know, misery, luckily, this anguish. Luckily, we live in the United States with the best military, so we don't have to worry about anything. <laughs> the battlements we have are fantastic. Yeah. We have the best battle. What I, I, I am. We're so strong and powerful. We're the greatest. No other city can compare with us. Verse, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back up to verse 10 because I always appreciate Ben's inquisitiveness and his willingness to learn. And so verse, no, that's serious. On, on, a, on that day, and he'll see what I'm saying, and so will you guys. On that day, says the Lord, a cry of alarm will come from the fish gate. So I did some research for you, Ben, on Fishgate, and if uh, you will indulge me, I just want to give a couple of sentences on it. The well, fish that was in the 70s, right, Fishgate? Yeah, Fishgate, yeah, that's when that happened. The Fishgate was one of the gates around Jerusalem. It was in the northern part. It led out of the city to the northwest, and in the northwest there were coastal plains, and, and it, it was close to the Sea of Galilee and to the Mediterranean Sea, and that's where everybody brought in fish. So that's what the, sea, uh, the Fishgate was, and it was one of the busier gates, probably the busiest gate, and and that's why in that in that verse there, uh, it says uh, a cry of alarm will come from the fish gate because most of the people were there. The fish markets were located there. Mm, it, it was it was the best way from what my research shows to enter the city of Jerusalem. Mm. I copy that down because it, it was mostly on a plane, as I said. And the other gates, the other entrances to Jerusalem were, from what I'm reading, you know, overlook steep ravines. Oh. So that was easier. So that would have been that would have been the busiest. It's mentioned just as a note of fact here four times in the Bible, two in Nehemiah, one in Chronicles, and one in the book we're reading right now, Zephaniah. Oh. There you go, Ben. Thank you for your inquisitiveness. <laughs> well, here's the thing: the, the we, great we day of the Lord a, is. We could do a season of just you know books that have fish. Games. <laughs> yeah, fish games. yeah the, the great day of the Lord though is coming, and it's coming again, right? So oh. if you want to look at this book in its entirety where it sits in the, in the biblical context of the 66 scrolls, right, or books. Revelation has not come to pass yet, at least not all of it, right? 
people can argue that some of the signs are here right now, right? Some people will say, eh, it's whatever. Mm -hmm. And they'll have apathy or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. But, but the fact of the matter is, is God's promises, good or bad, come true. His, his, his word is literally sovereign. It reigns over everything, right? Yeah. So it's coming. Whether it's 1,000 years from now, 10,000 years from now, 10 days from now, it's coming. So where are you going to be? Where, where Are you going to be repenting throughout the course of the day every time something pulls you away from the source of all life? Or are you going to argue for mine, my own, my rights, my this, my that? Yeah. Well, I want to go do this. Well, I don't want to go do that. Well, I don't want to do... You know, be charitable. I don't want to help the poor. I, I don't want to love my neighbor as myself. I don't want to have patience. I don't want to have mercy. Mer I don't want to have the characteristics of Christ. I want to be me. Well, that leads to what I was thinking. Because, you know, one of the things that we've talked about at church uh, in New England is, you know, the Great Awakening with Jonathan Edwards. Right? It started in Enfield, right? And then it made its way through, you know, down south. And it started a lot of fires and, and a lot of those fires stayed lit. But then what happened over time that, you know, it, it kept spreading down south, down where like the Bible Belt is, really that all started because of it started up here. But then it got cold up here, right, mm -hmm. in, in New England. And in Zephaniah 1, 7, it says, Stand in silence in the presence of the Sovereign Lord, for the awesome day of the Lord's judgment is near. The Lord has prepared his people for a great slaughter and his and has chosen their executioners I, I don't know about you guys but even from what i hear with that like there's a great awakening right where people you know jonathan edwards is is the, the famous uh sermon of the you know sinners of in the hands of, a, of an of an angry god right so the great the great awakening people are excited again to serve god and to you know they're sinning right they don't be sinners anymore and then now we have this great slaughter that's going to happen that's coming. I don't know about you, but I'd rather be, you know, I want to be awakened. I'd rather be a part of that. No. I don't want to be a part of being slaughtered and then I already have my, my, my executioner prepared for me. I don't know about you guys, but it already sounds like I have a death sentence ahead of me. Well, you, and, you have and, a warning, and, and there's though. an audience, mm. and the audience is the enemy. You, you mm. have a warning, and, and it goes back to what I said before about the pre-exilic prophets. Just because Jerusalem gets destroyed, and, 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 and we cannot think that, you're looking and say, oh, well, it already came to pass. You know, God destroyed Jerusalem, or he, he had it destroyed by the Babylonians. It's all over. That's not it. It's what you're talking about. Each and every one of us, all the, all the sins that they uh, enumerate in, in every one of these books we've been reading apply today. It may not be that, you know, as Johnny was talking about with the two hands coming out and you put the babies on it, but we're basically doing something similar to that, something analogous to that. May not be the exact thing, but we've got the same sins. And when you re read that line there, let me read it in my book here, verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 7 again, mine says, stand in silence in the presence of the sovereign Lord for the awesome day of the Lord's judgment is near. God is addressing, if you go down there and read there, as we did before, the princess, he's addressing royalty, and he's right. addressing them in a way that they're not used to being talked to. You think to. it's going to be silent? Yes, yeah. he, he, like. he's addressing them in a way they're not used to be talking to, and he's basically saying, shut up and listen. See, this here, see exactly, and listen. So, I've, and I've, I've said this once before, and I'm just going to use this, you know, to, to lead into this next idea, which is, is my sin in, that's in my life that I feel remorse for, that I feel upset about, that I need to repent from, so that's what I go and do, is that a direct reflection of my lack of faith? And my lack of faith just shows my disobedience because I don't know God as well as I should. And that's what the problem is here. People don't know God 
So they don't fear God. If I, if I brought in um, a Navy SEAL like, like David Goggins, he's been special forces in all three branches of the military. He was born with a congenital heart defect. He's got a hole in his heart the size of a poker chip, right? He's broken world records for pull-ups, push-ups, all these things, right? The dude is truly like ironclad, you know, special operations soldier. If I brought him in here and you saw how decorated this <laughs> military guy is that he survived all those crazy Navy SEAL missions, you'd, you'd be like, wow, that guy's deadly. If I brought Conor McGregor in here, a world-class fighter, or Anderson Silva, MMA fighter in here, or Mike Tyson, or a, a boxer, Mm. You'd be like, you'd walk by. When they walk by, you'd get out of the way, right? Yeah. Or, or a very powerful politician or a king or something like that. We would all know who they were because of all the clout, because of, because yeah. of the reputation. But people don't know the reputation of God because we have all these preachers who are either out on the street, mm -hmm. not with gentleness and kindness and love, sharing the gospel, or they're inside of, let's say, a church, and they're just being all lovey-dovey, fluffy, all the positive messages. They don't know who God is. Yeah. God is love, but God is absolutely justice. And no evil deed will go unpunished, he says. So that's where, that's where the problem lies, is that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Are we wise? Do you actually fear how powerful God is? You'd be afraid of David Goggins or Anderson mm. Silver or Conor McGregor if they walked by. Or, or maybe a, a mafia boss or a hitman. You'd be like, wow, that dude's killed so many people. Watch out for him. Yeah, yeah. Or, or, may, or maybe the leader of MS-13, a very violent and evil gang. You saw one of those guys covered in MS-13 tattoos, you know, scar across his neck. You'd, you'd be intimidated. You'd be like, wow, that guy, I'm not messing with that guy. But will you mess with God? And that's the problem is we don't know God because you're either not looking for him or the places that you are going to look for him, they're not giving you this part of God. And this is a fundamental part of who God is. He is a vengeful God. He is a jealous God. All things belong to him. Hmm. It's righteous jealousy. Well, here's the thing. I mean, we're, we're sitting out here at a table and we're passionately talking about God's word. And we're also sharing like a ton of frustration of the status of this world, right? As if we're, you know, we can share more frustration than God has. Yeah. That, that all the, the turmoil and this great uh, a slaughter that's going to come before us, like a, a, as if like, uh, you know, he, he, he already he wants it to happen. He's more he's frustrated more than we are. We, we won't ever really be able to comprehend or, or really able to understand the level of frustration that God has towards the status of this world because nobody is loving each other. I don't even think it's frustration. I, I think, I think and I don't want to speak for God, but he is, he is all-powerful. So I don't think you can really frustrate him so much as he has to administer his justice for evil sure. deeds. Yeah. And he fights and pursues us. You know, I, I forgot where I heard this said, but it said, you know, oh, you know, what, what, when I found Jesus, it's like, no, no, dude, Jesus mm. found you, bro. You know what I mean? <laughs> Jesus came after you. You were the sheep that went astray. We're all sheep. We're all like sheep who have gone uh, no, astray. They were playing hide and seek. Clearly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but this, is, this is what's so crazy is, you know, you're not going to pack a church full of people with a message like this. And this is the 11th hour prophet who has to tell them, dude, this is it. This is right before... The great day of the Lord. This is before, and let's, I'm just going to say it, before Revelation comes to pass. But like now, but like now, you on, can't that say 11, on that 11th hour, Johnny, that you're talking about with Zephaniah here, just like today, people, the people it, no matter what he said, and all that was is beautiful imagery, you know, when you read, you know, the, the day of distress and anguish, you go on and on in, you know, verse 15 there, it, it's, we're relevant to back then, and they're relevant to us. It's the same thing complacency, 
and people don't believe there'll be a judgment. They didn't believe there'd be a judgment here. Mm. And then Jerusalem got destroyed. And we don't think that'll happen either. We think there's plenty of time. Like that, that one line there, where, 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 was it uh, uh, the end of verse uh, 12? You know, they think the Lord will do nothing to them, either good mm. or bad. So, that's the so, way we so, are. So it's, we're living in a time, just like it says in, in 2 Timothy verse 4-3. There will come a time, right, yeah. where where they will not where, where the people will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust they shall heap up to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away from the ears of the truth, and shall be turned to fables. So like people don't want to hear this. Mm. They don't want to hear this because it means something. It's meaningful. It means something has to happen. You need to humble yourself and repent and seek God. And you said that they turn to fables, right? Well, I mean, that's one transliteration. But the idea is that it's yeah, but like, false like, doctrines. Look at today's world. They turn to fables. They turn to media. Mm-hmm. I mean, under these blankets here are comic books, which is now ruining, like, it, I was about to say ruining. It actually kind of starting, it is starting to ruin movies and television. God is saying all throughout the Bible, though, repent, 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 repent. Yeah. And saying, you need me, you need me, you need me, you need yep. me. Just admit it. Humble yep, yep, yourself. Yep. Stop being so prideful. Stop being so sinful. Sin is what's keeping you from everlasting life. And, it's, and it's, I'm giving it to you freely. So this is where the problem lies with, I'm, I'm just going to say, the church as a whole. Mm. People don't want to ruffle feathers, but we have to. Well, it's like, because uh, going back on the fable thing for a second, it's like, when, I remember before coming to church, before coming to Christ, I used to go and, like, try to get, like, these moral lessons from TV shows and mm. stuff. And mm. that's kind of, like, what they push now. Like, you get, like, the 30-minute, like, G. sitcom. G.I. Joe, right? Well, you know? well, like, like, I'm talking about the 30-minute sitcom where, like, all of a sudden, like, then, you know, at the end of it, Dad's having a talk with the kids and explaining to them, like, this is how the world is. And, like, and that's why it's your choice, because it's your ben, body. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The price is, <laughs> ben, the price is right. There's no place to go for moral uh, you know, <laughs> Don't forget to spay and neuter your husband. <laughs> Did you get that from like the Bible for dummies? <laughs> yeah. Watch the, no, the ultimate guide. The ultimate guide to the Bible. <laughs> so on the way here, I'm listening to. Uh, actually, have enough time to listen to all three uh, chapters and then a little bit of the next book. And I'm on the way here, and I'm like listening to like the God's going to do all this stuff, and I'm like, it got me thinking about when I get mad. And I want to do all this stuff. Recently, there was somebody who commented on a comment that I made on Instagram, and they obviously went through my profile to find something to pick on. And I was, I'm still a little flustered about this, because I'm like, I want to type something back, and I got all this clever stuff I want to say to the guy, and I keep stopping myself. And that got me thinking, it's like... Don't be ashamed that you like the WWE, Ben. Yeah. I didn't want to say it. But like, it's not the WWE, but anyway. Uh, anyway, uh, so he, he you know, he, I'm like upset about this, and I'm, like, I'm listening to this on the way here, and like God's talking like he's going to destroy the city, and he's going to destroy these people, and he's going to wipe all these people out, and I've done this, that, and the other thing, and I'm like, he gets flustered too. Mm. And like that is, and it's something like we all do. We all get flustered, and then sometimes it's just like a like um, on the way here, guy in front of me is going thirty five miles an hour down the main road, mm. and that's flustering me. Mm. And I'm like, dude, it's, it's the main road. I'm running late. I'm I gotta running. get to where I gotta yeah, go. Exactly. Don't you know how important I am? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and, and and but God didn't go ahead and like you know at least yet hasn't destroyed all of us, but He's wanted to on so many occasions. Well, and, and it's like, if he can go and find a way to calm down, yeah, it's okay to get flustered is what you do about it. I don't, I don't think God gets flustered. I think scripture tells us that we make the mistake of thinking that God 
thinks like us, and mm-hmm. his ways are different from our ways, That's true too. and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So I definitely don't think like what, what we perceive as flustered. Yeah. A holy God, a righteous and almighty God, he just has a plan. He has a sovereign plan that nothing will shake. Yeah. So you can just imagine that's why he has the patience that he has with me. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, well, I mean, you know, I, I see where you're both coming from. But scripture does talk about him uh, getting angry and being jealous and, you know, things like that. And, and I don't think that we can fully comprehend what exactly that means. But, I mean, um, clearly there is some, you know, emotional investment with his people. I mean... You know, the, the the problem with going too far on this sovereign plan thing is just that God is some, you know, uh, mechanized Set in stone, you know, thing. Yeah. It's like, well, this is how it's going to be, so, you know, whatever, I don't care. You know, but it's like, I mean, we, we know that he, he loves us, and if, and if you're going to have love, then you're also going to probably have jealousy, and you're going to have anger. And, I mean, there's multifacets to all of this. But, but one thing that I want to bring out with all of this, because... As we're reading the prophecies, and, and really any prophecy for that matter, um, there's a lot of misunderstandings about what prophecy is and how it operates and things like that. And most people, especially in our day and age, they think of prophecy as uh, predicting the future. But really, that's, that's not, I mean, that, that's a small aspect of what prophecy is. And, and if you look at most of these, even minor prophets, it's more like a... Uh, and if was if then statement yeah. like in code. Yeah. So it's like if you do this, then I will do this. But if you do that, then I will do this. Yeah. And and there's a lot of that in prophecy where it's forks in the road that God is actually laying out. Like there's some things that we see that are definitely predicted in the future that are maybe unstoppable. But I mean, we see things even like say uh, Hezekiah, who had a prophet of God come to him and say, get your house in order, you're going to die. And Hezekiah uh, sought God and says, you know, God, I want more time, basically. And the prophet turned around, came back and said, God answered your prayer and you're not going to die. Or we see, you know, God telling Moses, I'm going to wipe out all the people. And then Moses interceding and God changing course with that. So, so a lot of these prophecies even here we see it has the glimmer you know and you get into ver- uh, chapter 3 say starting verse 11 you know on that day you'll no longer need to be ashamed you'll no longer be rebels against me i will remove all the proud and arrogant people from among you there'll be no more haughtiness on my holy mountain those who are left will be the lowly and humble for it is who uh it is they who trust in the name of the lord and so again it's like he's putting out this if then statement yeah. saying if you want to pursue your child sacrifice and your pride and your haughtiness i i've already got the executioner waiting in the ready but if you want to repent of your ways if you want to choose humility then then there's a different outcome for you and and i think we see that all throughout scripture all throughout prophecy <clears throat> and i think what what does anger frustrate grieve uh, the Lord is when the decision, at least from the aerial view, is so logical. Like, choose the right path, right? Yeah. It's like, but, but you know, say from the aerial, like from God's perspective, he's looking, it's like, just choose this path and everything, you know, it's like he says, uh, says, you know, I set before you life and death, blessings and curses. 
choose life. You know, it's this like, is, he's is like, like, choose life for crying out loud. Choose this. Don't choose pride and human sacrifice and worship of false gods and yeah. evil and all this. Stuff. Don't choose that because you're going to end up to a point pushing me to a point where where I wipe you out. I have to react. Yeah. And, and, and I'm ready to do that. Mm-hmm. But if you repent of your ways, then we'll have a different story. Yeah, there's another avenue you can go right. down. It's, like, so, it's like if you were like in a maze and then God's up above and he could see the full maze. And some of those some of those places actually could lead you to death. Right. And it's like, turn like, left, turn left, turn left. Turn left. Like, yeah, but right. I don't know, right looks better. Yeah. I, I, He's like, you see this narrow corridor? This yeah. narrow gate? That's the goal. <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah. Jesus right there. So here's the thing, right? So in um, it's in Numbers 14 that Moses it appears to change the mind of God. Mm. And also Abraham, in, in regard to Sodom, right. seems to convince God. And then if you read Psalm 8.4, I'm going to read the English Standard Version. That's the Bible I prefer to read. Um, what is man that you are mindful of him? And that the son of man that you care for him? It's like the writer here, which I believe is David, is saying, you know, what are we that you even consider us? Because yeah. we're right. clearly not divine, and yet you care for us so greatly. So our petitions to God, our requests to God, our prayers to God are heard if you're in right relationship with God. Right. And that's what this all comes back down to is the haughtiness, the pride, the, the sin, the, the whatever it may be. Doing it your way isn't the best way. Doing it, doing it God's way is the best way. So that's why Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And he also says, my father's house has many rooms. Some transliterations say, my father's house has many mansions. So whether you want a room with God, which sounds great to me, or you want a mansion with God, that sounds even better. That's, that's the way. When people are reading these, it, 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 I think, for me anyway, it helps to know, I don't know, some of the societal norms and some of the history and cultures going around. Because when Judah just read 3, 11, and 12, that Judah read, removing all the proud and arrogant people, no more haughtiness. If we look at this book as a whole, just the three chapters in it, it it's, it's religiously radical, mm. one. It's definitely religiously radical, but... Based on those lines and in the cultural norms and everything that's going on in the day and the, the, the strata of the different classes or the different classes, the different strata of people, it's also politically radical. For him to say that, those type of things are, this is a politically radical book too. And it, and it reminds me of Jesus Christ. Jesus was, Jesus was also religiously radical, theologically radical, but he was politically radical too. Without trying to be, but he was. Uh, and I and I hearkened to that. I said, yeah. okay, this this guy, it's this guy Zephaniah, he was saying things and he, as we said before, he may have been, he may have been, it sounds like of royalty, royal descent, but it didn't matter. He was going to get out there and you know get after it, as they say. Well, God is being patient with me. He's being patient with all of you, all right? And it, what Bible verses are where it says that, you know, I think it's Ecclesiastes maybe, where it says that God's reign falls on both the, the just and the unjust, like mm-hmm. the good and the evil, right? Mm-hmm. So you go back in time to these people and their child sacrifice, so they think they're going to have a good reign. So, you know, God provides the reign because he loves his children. And then they're like, well, we better keep sacrificing these kids because apparently it's working. Right. And then you can understand why God would, you know, you said frustrated, but why God would be upset with them is because mm-hmm. they're doing these this idolatry, these false things that aren't true, and right. that's what they're attributing God's patience and grace and love and kindness right. to us as. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so that's why they're inviting the wrath of God to come upon the land. And this is this is the kingdom of Judah. This was supposed to be the better of the right. twelve tribes, 
You see what I'm saying? So this yeah. is this is definitely well deserved. Well, the, again, they, the wages of they sin did is some, death. Yeah, yeah, they did some crazy things back then, and we do some crazy things right now. Uh, it, when you were talking about that, and I'm just picturing you know, sacrificing children as we do today, but back then just burn children, throwing them off, just all kinds of things to sacrifice, and the God's going to be happy and. How you determine that? Oh well, if the child screams, oh, okay, you know, as he's burning, uh, you know, we're good here. And I think of the Salem witch trials, and mm. and you know, they dunk witches, uh, supposed witches. Right. I'm sorry. And if they kept them underwater long enough, they drowned. If they drowned, then they knew they weren't a witch. <laughs> they can so what? what? Yeah. If they drowned, then okay, they're not a witch. I'm thinking, what? But this is this is how humans can be. We're bizarre at times, and. Then they also do one where they threw them off a cliff and they could fly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, if they, <laughs> they're a yeah. witch, and then they then yeah. they shoot them down. Yeah. Well, there you go. But it, it's it's not, again, it's not an, exactly. You know, yeah. Another. I know, but it's like another, the logic uh, is the Yeah, the, the logic. Is another like, black yeah. spot on on humanity, and it just goes through all time. Reading the, the historical parts of the Bible and. Uh, and, and going right through to our society today, we we just continue to add up the black marks. And uh, you spoke for yourself and us, Johnny. That that you know you know God is. I forgot what you said. That yeah, God is. Uh, I I I know that you know I'm I'm a sinner. I know, and I and I think about it all the time. And I, and I say to myself, okay, I, I know we talk about it, and I read about it that God is going forgive me. I just need to repent. I, I repent, and I follow in Jesus Christ as best I can. But I think of some of the things that I've done, and I'm thinking, and it comes into my mind, and sometimes I am, I'm, I get distraught over that, the fact that I, I haven't measured up at all in, 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 in the past as I've gone along, and, and I'm thinking, is, does God really forgive me? And I'm thinking, you know, uh, I, I, I can't get over that sometimes. Mm. Mm. Well, you know, I, I think here's a good place to, to kind of land, and it's just the, the end here of, of Zephaniah, starting in verse 14. Uh, chapter 3, Sing, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart. It's like you can see the change in tone here. Mm-hmm. O daughter of Jerusalem, for the Lord will remove his hand of judgment and will disperse the armies of your enemies. And the Lord himself, the king of Israel, will be among you. I believe that's that's you know leaning into messianic prophecy there. Yep. And at last your troubles will be over and you'll never fear, uh, never again fear disaster. On that Day, the announcement will be cheer up Zion don't be afraid for the Lord your God is living among you he's a mighty savior he'll take delight in you with gladness with his love he'll calm all your fears he will rejoice over you with joyful songs and I mean it just it just continues on but it's just like the beauty of I mean up until now this has been pretty condemning uh, and harsh and now he's just saying hey like my goal is to reunite you uh, to me, that I want to have that relationship, and God's going to live among you, and I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to, you know, wipe away your tears, and I'm going to, you know, do all these things, sing and, over you, literally, yeah, with and, joy, yeah, with and happiness. it's like all of these things, man. I mean, like, like what a beautiful example, and that's where, like I was saying before, a lot of these prophecies are actually forks in the road. That it's um, like, what are we going to choose? Are we going to choose to walk in our Pride and haughtiness, and we see that in the world that that we're going. I mean, again, you know, not not to, to harp on on this abortion thing. It's worth mentioning because we we allow our pride and our 
belief and maybe a political narrative to supersede our understanding of scripture, right? So it's like, so we allow our political loyalties and allegiances to be stronger than what scripture says is true about life and, you know, thou shalt not kill and whatever else like that. I mean, Johnny posted something um, the other day uh, that I thought was kind of, I think it was, you posted about, about the, the turtles, the sea turtles. Oh, the eggs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and how they had like signs like saying, you know, do not disturb the not, sea you turtle. You can't even touch the yeah, eggs. Yeah, you, you can't even touch these sea turtle eggs without penalty of like, you know, fining and imprisonment. It's like, Why? Why can't you touch the sea well, turtle eggs? It's nothing. It's, you know? it's because it's an endangered species and their life is sacred. Right. And it's In like, the egg. You know, but it's like, yeah. is, is the egg of a sea turtle, does that have more value than, than a human child inside of a woman? And, 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 then, and then, you know, there's this whole thing, well, well, you're a man, so you can't say, like, no, no, no. It has nothing to do with being a man or being a woman. I mean, because, you know, my, my wife is, is a woman and she'll say the exact same thing. Um, and you, you look at like, what is truth? Like, what is truth? What is like, and, and if, and if we don't see it that way, then our prayer needs to be God open my eyes to see things, how you see them, yeah. not how I want yeah. to see them mm-hmm. because, because clearly we're being blinded by this selfish idolatry where we're valuing things. Now, I know that there are some complex issues within abortion, okay? Like, I, I understand that with, with you know, um, you know these, these uh, conditions that could be fatal to the mother and the child. And, like, I, I understand that. But the reality is, is the percentage of those instances is, like, so vastly small. Like, that's not why people are fighting for abortion. It's like 1%. Right. Less than 1%. Or le- it's, it's, far, it's far less. I mean, it's like, that's not why people are fighting for abortion. They're fighting for abortion for the convenience. So, so like, like don't, the, don't the, deceive the, yourself into thinking that we're trying to save uh, a few cases of incest, right? I mean, like, is that, and is that discussions that should be had? Maybe so. Like, I, you know, let, let's just leave that off the table for a second because that's not really the issue at hand. The issue at hand convenience. is this convenience, this mass disregard for life. You look at how many, you know, infants are aborted every year. I, I forgot what the numbers are, but it's like the, the whole Holocaust pales in comparison mm-hmm. to, to what we're doing as a nation. And, and how can we be so blinded? And, and that's it. Like, like, I mean, I'll just say it the way it is. It's blindness. It's spiritual blindness. And if and if we can't see that, and if and if even now, if somebody's listening and and you're bristling at this conversation, right? Because like I understand that. I understand why people would bristle at this if you've even made it this far. If if you're bristling at the conversation, then my challenge is say to seek God and say, God, what is your truth? Not what is my desire to be true, but what is your truth? Don't take my word for it. Don't take anybody here's word for it. Say, God, what is your truth on this issue? Yeah. And seek him and put aside the narratives and the agendas and seek his yeah. truth. Yeah, it's, yeah read, it's, read it's, God's word. It's, 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 yeah. it's framed, it's, it yeah. is about reading God's word. It's framed as like, this is the lesser of evils. Yeah, like, yeah, we have to have an abortion. But it's better than the rape, you know, the rapist and the rape victim crime. Right. But here's the thing: all of our social, civic, 
racial, spiritual, political, legal struggles that we have are all resolved if everyone would read the scripture. Right. If we would unite and read scripture as a country, as a town, all of our problems would be solved. Truthfully. Right. We would all have the truth. Right. Yeah. Um, one yeah. thing that Judah has said over the years to me, it's, you know, like a, a magician's uh, duty is to deceive you, right? To like make you go, ah, wow, like how the heck did he do that? And I think that we ourselves, and Judah has also helped me with this, is that we have an, an unlimited capacity of self-deception, right? So we can deceive ourselves to whatever uh, length we want to go yes. to meet our own needs, Period. It's not about abortion. It could be finances. It could be whatever it is you want to obtain in life. You will get there, and you got to be careful what you're willing to give up and do to get there, yeah. right? So get in God's word, right? Meditate in God's word. Ask God before you even read God's word. God, help me, you know, uh, help me connect with you. Help me understand what it is that, you, that I'm about to read, and, and help me make it relevant. Right? Like, that's what we do. That's what we need to do. Judah had said he wanted 17, chapter 3, verse 17, to be a landing spot for today. And I'm going to read that again because I, I love that verse. I, I, if I would suggest somebody reading Zephaniah to take one verse, it would be 17. Mm. Just above it, the bottom, the end of 16, cheer up, Zion. But that could be anybody. Cheer up. Don't be afraid. For the Lord is among you. Mighty Savior, but... With his love, this line, with his love, he will calm all your fears. Mm. With his love, he will calm all your fears. This demonstrates the love of God immensely. If anybody is reading Zephaniah, focus on mm. that verse, and you will grab everything you need to know about this, and you'll have hope for the future. Yeah. Now, going back to fifth, uh, 15 for a second, for the Lord will remove his hand of judgment and disperse. It comes on here to will live among you. Now, Johnny, does this count as a Jesus proof? All of them are. Yeah, so that's yeah. what I was saying before. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, uh, Judah said that. Yes, that is. But that's every okay. book has Jesus in it, if you look. <laughs> we don't, you know, repetition is good. We don't mind that. Not at all. So let, let's uh, let's go ahead and uh, land here. Um, next week, let's go ahead and move into Haggai. Mm -hmm. There's two chapters in Haggai, so you can read that um, seven, eight times uh, between now and then. And then we'll come back together and discuss Haggai and uh, what stands out to us there. Well, we hope that you enjoyed our discussion today on the Thriving in the Word podcast. We invite you to leave a rating or a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. Also consider sharing it on social media. We can't wait to be back together with you at the Thriving in the Word podcast.